my goodness. Good morning, everybody. Today is Monday, July 18th. Welcome to episode number 100 and I want to say 55. Give me give me a second. Oh yeah, confirmed 155 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, or if you're looking to break in the industry, you're going to get value out of this. I guarantee you. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Never a pleasant experience. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and most importantly, get your business back on track. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs or CEUs, if you're um, that's your style of calling CPEs, CEUs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So that stacks, right? Two and a half a week, 10 a month. You get it. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. But Jerry, how do I document? I'm glad you asked, uh, straw man. Just say what's up in chat or say here or say good morning or say whatever it is. The fact that you said what's up and your name is there and it will be burned into the stream. You can point to it or point any auditor to it and be like, what's up, auditor? There's my audit evidence. I'll see you next year when I have to give you, you know, $125 and prove that I did 40 hours worth of work. Almost seems like community service for a punitive uh, crime. All right. If you are live, love it. Thanks for being here. I see 54 of you already here uh, just on the Simply Cyber YouTube stream. But we are pushing out to about eight different uh, broadcast destinations, including my man, Josh Mason's YouTube channel and LinkedIn account. Thanks, Josh, for the love and support. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay, drop that in chat. That's always a good way to uh, show if you're team replay or team live. Thanks for catching the stream on the replay. Do say what's up in the comments so that gets burned into the evidence locker as well. If you want to jump right to the news, when this, when this screen over here turns or my camera angle changes to a circle because we're in the new studio, um, we have started the program. So you can just grab the slider, scrub to the right and get going. I forgot to start the timer. Uh, I'm like a, I'm like a little clumsy in my old office. Um, just switching back to everything. But, um, if you're live with us, then enjoy the pleasantries. Cause we are going to be spending probably the next couple minutes here saying good morning, having this all important coffee coming off of a, a, a busy weekend with a 16 hour drive and a lot of unpacking. We'll start the news in just a minute, but for right now, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Hey, Carl, Ron. Hey, Brendan. What's up? Shakora Wiggins. I see you on LinkedIn. Tom Bishop's hashtag team live. Ms. Julian, I'm back in the office where I can't say your name, but it's great to see you in chat. Welcome back home. Thank you, WGL. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's very nice. Um, hey, Carrie, good to see you. Ryan Spishock, always nice. Nathan Boland, K. Scott Powell, a lot of a lot of regulars up in chat. I love that. Mm, that's good. Oh, joke of the day. Okay, okay. Thanks, Mooberiz. This is a great thing to do before uh, during the morning pleasantries. So I spoke to my son. He immediately came downstairs after the uh, stream on Friday saying, you didn't say the joke. You didn't say the joke. All right, guys. We will be doing a joke of the day on Fridays provided by my son, um, Grayson. 
And I think my other son, Callan, is also interested in doing a joke, but he he's not going to get Friday. He's going to get a different day. So the joke of the day on Friday, I thought Grayson said it. He didn't. So to make up for it, um, the joke of the day is what, what comes out of a flower's camera? What comes out of a flower's camera? While people queue up here, Let's see what's up. Pamela's got a 13-hour drive on Friday. I don't envy you, Pamela. Yeah, those long drives are, are brutal. Thank goodness for Dwight Eisenhower in the uh, interstate system, though, right? Am I right? <laughs> gas is so expensive, people. It's disgusting. I will say um, the gas is less expensive than it was in June when I drove up. But good grief. Mm. Love that coffee. So what comes out of a flower's camera? Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Thank you so much for the joke of the day for from Grayson. All right, guys, let's get into the news. Mm. All right, let's get into the news. Now, again, I, I think we're gonna hear the podcast chat. Let me know uh, if you don't hear the um, if you don't hear the news stories. Uh, we're gonna figure it out here. All right, thanks everybody. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Monday, July 18th, 2022. Dozens of cities and towns are paying tech workers to abandon Silicon Valley. A growing number of cities and towns all over the U.S. are handing out cash grants and other perks aimed at drawing skilled employees of faraway companies to live there and work remotely. In October, there were at least 24 such programs in the U.S., and today there are 71, according to the Indianapolis-based company Make My Move, which is contracted by cities and towns to set up such programs. Companies whose employees have participated in one remote worker incentive program in Tulsa, Oklahoma, include Adobe, Airbnb, Amazon, Apple, Dell, Meta, Google, IBM, Microsoft, Lyft, Netflix, Oracle, and Siemens. Local governments are offering up to $12,000 in cash, along with subsidized gym memberships, free babysitting, and office space. All right. So this is really, really cool. So uh, I do need a little bit of perspective from chat on this one because I'm just one person basing everything on my experiences. Having said all that, I don't think I'm ever going to go back to the office. I really appreciate and enjoy my commute right? It's, it's, it's the commute that I love about working remotely. Um, and a lot of other people are into working remotely. Now, granted my first job in cybersecurity, when I, when I like broke in or whatever, I had to move from Massachusetts to Washington, DC, uproot my life and move there. And I worked there for about 15 months, got the, you know, required, uh, experience. So then I could be, uh, flexible and move around. Right. This right here, this story is awesome. So towns that are, you know, uh, could use an economic boost are offering people who work in Silicon Valley to come there. 71 programs. There were 24. Obviously, it's working because they've nearly tripled it, right? Free babysitting, gym memberships. Like it's all of the niceties and the, the you know, the Google stuff that people talk about that's beyond cash, um, beyond cash, right? So I, I love this. And by the way, can I just point out that Silicon Valley is probably like Silicon Valley, as far as like a community goes, is probably unhappy because people are moving and, and, you know, taking money out of the community. But for like Adobe and Apple and stuff like that, they're not going to continue to pay you 
Silicon Valley salaries if you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm telling you right now, it's a cost of living adjustment. Do I think that's fair? No, because you're still doing the same job. So it's kind of um, booty that they would adjust your salary and say you're worth this amount of money and then say, well, actually, because you live somewhere else, you're not worth that amount of money. But that's a separate argument altogether. I really appreciate this news story. And, and I think it's great for these towns, right? Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sioux City, Iowa, like these towns could use it. Um, I've even seen certain towns where they'll give you uh, land um, to move on to, right? So very, very cool incentives. I think that this is great. Um, and it's a, it's a good, um, it's, it's good for the economy and good for business. Okay. CISA orders agencies to patch new Windows Zero Day used in attacks. CISA has added an actively exploited local privilege escalation vulnerability in the Windows client server runtime subsystem to its list of bugs abused in the wild. This high severity security flaw tracked as CVE 2022-22047 impacts both server and client Windows platforms, including the latest Windows 11 and Windows Server 2022 releases. Microsoft has patched it as part of the July 2022 Patch Tuesday and classified it as a zero day as it was abused in attacks before a fix was available. Redmond says the vulnerability, which if exploited, could gain system privileges and was discovered internally by the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center and Microsoft Security Response Center. Okay, cool. A couple things going on here. One, um, this... Oh, where do I begin? Okay, so there is a Windows operating system vulnerability that is being actively exploited. That means that it's not just vulnerable and that you got to, you know, hold, hold your uh, pants up, but it's being actively exploited, meaning that bad guys, threat actors or whatever are taking advantage of it. Now, a couple of things to unpack. One, this is awesome that CISA is doing this as part of their binding, operative direct, binding operation or operative directive 22, where they are requiring and they have authority to make federal agencies, not private sector, federal agencies patch certain things within certain time windows. Now, this patch was, or this vulnerability was patched in July's um, monthly, you know, patch Tuesday roll-up thing, right? M um, Microsoft does monthly patches and roll-ups now. So there's no reason for you not to be able to patch in a vacuum, right? I will say some organizations may have um, mission critical applications running on a server that, or on a system that the patch breaks. This does happen, okay? So this is why when you're applying patches, you don't just go YOLO and patch everything and then you know go grab coffee and call it a day. That's what Carl does, okay? What real security practitioners do, or you know, <clears throat> IT, because IT does the patching, not InfoSec, what IT people would do is they would actually patch like um, usually like the ID, IT department's computers. Then they would do a subset of systems of people who have opted in to be like pilot systems across the organization. Then you might do mission critical uh, systems, right? Just to make sure that they don't break anything. And hopefully you're doing this to like a, a, a test system, not actively on prod. And then finally you roll it out to everyone. So you do it in like rings if you want to think about it like like uh when you throw a pebble in a pond and the rings go out you don't just patch everything that's a horrible idea especially if it goes sideways which we've seen a million times you patch and like in a ring um to make sure that it's a smooth operation um next thing i want to point out and this is the final thing this is for um people who are 
uh, not quite in the industry yet, but you might get this question asked. I don't know. Um, see how it says it's, it's actively exploiting local privilege escalation vulnerability. This piece right here, local privilege escalation, this means that you already have to own the box. You already have to have access and an account on the box. You don't just like, this isn't a remote code execution, which is like the worst one, right? Remote code execution means you can do it from anywhere. Unauthenticated, you can do it under any account. Local privilege escalation just means you can go from Carl to system, right? You can go from end user to system user. That's what that means. And that's why it's a big deal. But, you know, SISA gave them three weeks to patch because you basically need to chain this with other um, exploitations or, or get an end user to click on something. Password recovery tool infects industrial systems with Solity malware. A threat actor is infecting industrial control systems to create a botnet through password cracking software for programmable logic controllers, PLCs. Advertised on various social media platforms, the password recovery tools promise to unlock PLC and human-machine interface terminals from Automation Direct, Siemens, Mitsubishi, LG, and many other manufacturers. Behind the scenes, the tool also drops Sality, S-A-L-I-T-Y, a famous piece of malware that creates a peer-to-peer -peer botnet for various tasks that require the power of distributed computing to complete faster, such as password cracking and cryptocurrency mining. Hmm. Okay, a couple of things here um, and, and a couple like snarky things. Okay, so first of all, Dragos did the research on this. Dragos is the, um, you know, the information security darling of the information security uh, of the industrial control system world. Uh, Rob Lee runs Dragos. They, they are very cool, uh, very cool uh, company. Now, what's interesting is uh, here's a snarky comment. I don't know why you would need to crack a PLC or an ICS password, they're usually one, two, three, four or password, right? Like industrial control systems, they're typically from like the seventies and eighties. They typically have terrible passwords. Um, okay. Having said all that, I also want to point out that this is essentially like a Trojan piece of software. And if you work in industrial control systems, like if you work at manufacturing, oil and gas, energy, whatever, this is an opportunity <clears throat> For you, like I would absolutely do this, and this only applies to a subset of people in chat right now. If you if you work in an area with ICS systems, you should bundle this story up and send it to your engineers, like your field engineers or your or your uh, OT engineers, whatever, and your IT staff. Okay, because the people who interface with the PLCs are the ones who are most likely to download this. Now it's a Trojan. It's going to, if they can't log in to a piece of uh, equipment, they can use this to crack the password. And it does crack the password. And you might think, well, what's the problem? I have legitimate access to this thing. I just forgot the password because it was a long weekend, right? Yes, it gives you the password, but it also installs malware that I think, I, they said it does some other stuff, right? Uh, creates a peer-to-peer -peer botnet for various um, tasks, right? So the peer-to-peer botnet is not what you want your organization to opt into, right? So gives you the password. So you feel good about yourself because you're like, oh yeah, I didn't have to call the vendor. I logged right in, but now you're part of a botnet, which we could debate whether or not it's bad to be in a botnet. In fact, just 
what you might be like, why, what are you talking about, Jerry? Here's the deal. If my industrial control system or my nest thermostat or my, even the workstation I'm working on right now is infected with malware that makes it part of a botnet, is that impactful to me? It's not attacking my computer. It's barely using system resources unless the botnet uh, master uh, c commands it to go on to a um, uh, distributed denial of service attack, right? It might use cycles for crypto mining and stuff like that. But for the most part, when your computer is part of a botnet, it's kind of just doing what it normally does anyways. It's just running a piece of software that puts it into this botnet. So I'm not motivated or incentivized other than wanting to have a clean system to clean the botnet out or find the botnet, right? So I I don't <laughs> I don't want to be part of a botnet. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying if I find three computers and one's in a botnet and two are doing something worse, right? Like ransomware's trying to detonate or some other piece of malware's on it, I'm gonna do the botnet one last because it has the lowest impact to me into my organization. Thousands of websites run a buggy WordPress plugin that allows complete takeover. Threat actors have reportedly scanned almost 1.6 million websites in attempts to exploit an arbitrary file upload vulnerability in a previously disclosed buggy WordPress plugin. Traced as CVE 2021-24284, the vulnerability targets Kaswara modern WP Bakery page builder add-ons and, if exploited, would allow criminals to upload malicious JavaScript files and even completely take over an organization's website. WordFence disclosed the flaw almost three months ago and in a new advisory this week warned that criminals are increasing attacks. The WordPress security shop claims it blocked an average of 443,868 attack attempts per day on its customers' sites. Software developers never patched the bug, and the plugin is now closed, which means that all versions are susceptible to an attack. All right. So, all right. So this does happen from time to time. This is a piece of vulnerable software that's essentially gone end of life so that it will never be patched. So if you are running Kassara Modern WP Bakery Page Builder add-ons, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's like such a long title that it would like be on the front of the shirt and then the rest of it finishes on the back. Uh, if you're running this in your WordPress instance, uh, you should definitely look to remove it, okay? the Like, obviously it can be exploited. Couple couple things to share here. One, uh, love that the register uses the words like miscreants. That word doesn't get enough um, airtime. I like it. Guys, here's the deal with this one, okay? Two things. One is regular maintenance and one is um, threat operations, okay? Regular maintenance. If you're running WordPress, totally cool. That's fine. But yes, it's fun to go click, 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 click and install a bunch. Hold on, I got to... Hold on. I mean, this is like spicy light. Listen, you can, you can, people love their plugins and they want to try different stuff. Like what's this do? What's this do? What's this do? What's that do? Right? Here's the thing. You need to go back and clean up your mess. If you pull out, like we're not children here. If you pull out all your toys and throw them on the floor, right? And then you find the one He-Man action figure you wanted to play with and you play with it. And then you leave the room. You still got a freaking mess all over the floor, right? Parents, you know where I'm talking about. You've got to put the toys back. You've got to clean up your mess. So when you install all of these different plugins on WordPress because they do cool stuff, you've got to go back and either disable them or remove them entirely from your WordPress instance 
for reasons like this. You don't need to freak out and do a, um, you know, um, a fire drill to figure out if Kassara modern WP bakery page builder add-ons is in your environment because you run a tight, clean operation. And I'm not saying you've got to do it every single time, but at least once a month, once a quarter, once a year for Christ, for crying out loud, make it a point to do audit, right? You need to go back and look at your, and not audit, like checklist audit, like an audit of your crap and see what's there. The same is usually talked about in regards to user accounts. Make sure that only active user accounts are legitimate and not Carl who left two years ago, who still has an active account. All right. Second thing, threat operations. Well, Jerry, what's the big deal if this thing gets exploited? Here's the deal. You can see this. Where does it say? Where does it say it? Ah, where does it say? It? Okay, here it is. It would allow criminals to upload malicious JavaScript files and even completely take over an org's website. Here's the deal. This isn't 1999. Threat actors and criminals are not interested in putting a I pwned your website and having like, you know, goatsy ASCII art on the front of your web page for your organization, LOL, right? For the lulls. No. What they're doing is they're taking over your website, which will have a clean reputation according to like uh, Google whitelisting and Cloudflare and stuff like that, right? And then they'll host their C2 infrastructure on your server, basically, right? Or they'll 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 install info stealers, right? Which steals like your passwords and your crypto wallets and stuff like that. And they'll push it to the server that you control and all of our all of our fancy security tools aren't going to catch it because whatever ibm.com is a completely legitimate site right the royal american restaurant in in the town i live in is notorious for this their website gets hacked all the time for some reason and they never fix it and um at this point um Firewalls are smart enough to block it, but I would get a call like all the time. Hey, I can't access this restaurant's website. What's the deal? Unlock it. It's like, no, because they're compromised all the time. I'm not going to let you find a different restaurant, Carl. Ugh. Okay. It's nice to see the spice ring. Thanks right, to today's the bills. episode sponsor, Six Clicks. The Six Clicks AI powered GRC platform with an integrated content library is the most intelligent way to get ISO 27001 certified. It allows you to automate audits, manage risks, track assets, and report in real time. Join hundreds of businesses that trust Six Clicks and start your own ISO 27001 journey today. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash LP-ISO-27001. That's the number six clicks, C-L-I-C-K-S dot com slash LP-ISO-27001. All right. Uh, really quick, I don't have anything particular to uh, plug at the halfway commercial point today. I do see comments right here. Allison Van Stone, um, real quick. I'm not saying you can't use WordPress. WordPress is a great platform. You, it just, It's very flexible and it allows you to install all sorts of like plugins to make it your own. So it's not about finding an alternative to WordPress. It's about having a clean installation of WordPress and not having all sorts of uh, plugins and stuff like that. Basically, every plugin you add, you're you're complicating the instance, and you're adding. You should be 
capturing this in like an inventory of some sort. That way, when something like this story pops, you can look at the inventory and be like, oh yeah, we've got that plugin here, 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 and here. All right. I do want to say uh, real quick, since I don't have anything particular to call out um, and thank, I do want to say congratulations to Lima Charlie. Uh, Lima Charlie is a kind of a post-exploitation EDR tool. Uh, you may know it. If you've been a fan of the channel for a while, you know that I've done some work with Lima Charlie, Chris Luft, and uh, Maxime up in, well, West Coast people. Um, they just got a series funding of $5 million. Their, their tool, their platform, their people at that organization are awesome. If you are a legit digital forensics incident responder, you deal with post-exploitation situations and cleanups. Um, I, I, Lima Charlie's cool. It's not, it's not like Windows Defender where you drop it and like it, it helps you um, detect exploitation and quarantine and stuff like that, although it can do it. This is much more like you've got problems in your environment and you need to figure out how bad and what has happened. Again, not sponsored, not affiliated. I just have been working alongside Lima Charlie for years now, and I'm just really happy for those guys that they got, um, they got pushed to the next level. So, so good on them. Oh, wait, not spicy. Okay. Hive ransomware decryption key released as gang evolves its tactics. A decryption key for malware deployed by the ransomware gang Hive has been released in response to an uptick in activity from the gang in the past three months. Hive has also switched to a more complex coding language called Rust, which is harder to decrypt, making the key even more valuable. The decryption tool for version 5 of Hive's malware has been released by a malware analyst and reverse engineer known publicly as ReekDeep, R-E-E-C-D-E-E-P. The key can be found on GitHub and was created in order to try and quell the recent mounting attacks by the gang. Hive has been ramping up activity in recent months, particularly targeting healthcare organizations. In May, the gang was named by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as one of the top five cybercrime gangs to attack healthcare services in the first quarter of this year with Hive itself taking credit for 11% of the attacks. All right. So this is really cool. Um, you know, this is doing God's work right here. So Hive Ransomware is a, they're a major player in the ransomware gang, all right? I would say that they are, you know, a household name. Couple, couple interesting things here. One, they're changing their tactics, which is fine. If you are infected with Hive ransomware, you would know it just like any other ransomware. They, they make it abundantly clear that they have got you. Um, you may be able to check out this um, GitHub repo from Reese Deep. You might want to bookmark it. Um, and it's a decryption key for Hive. Now, the thing is, Hive is changing their operations. They've switched to Rust. This decryption key will not work on all instances of Hive, unfortunately, but it's worth a shot, right? Before you pay the ransom, before you contact them. Um, they are targeting healthcare organizations, which totally sucks. Um, really, I mean, I guess if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly and just go straight for deplorable status. Um, by attacking healthcare organizations, you might be thinking like, oh, I don't get why is that worse than whatever. Well, it's patient care, right? Someone could die. There's been there's been an instance um, where someone died because of ransomware. Now, technically, it's not like they got infected with ransomware and they're like, oh no, my heart's been encrypted. I died. It like basically a hospital was hit with ransomware and they had to reroute someone who was like having a stroke or having a heart attack from the hospital that was closest 
but under ransomware attack to a hospital that was further away and the patient died in transit. Uh, that happened like maybe a year and a half, two years ago. So there are real world major consequences from a cyber attack. So that's why, you know, it's it's totally booty that they're attacking healthcare. Uh, the other thing to mention is that they are switching to Rust. We've talked a little bit about this. I don't know how to program in Rust. Uh, Rust is a relatively new language. I believe the reason that they're switching to Rust is because Rust is incredibly fast. Um, as far as like when it's encrypting files, it can move really quickly. You got to remember encrypting files, just like restoring from a backup. It's not a video game where you just like click a button and the status changes. It takes time. And the longer it takes to encrypt, the more likely you are to catch it, break glass in case of emergency. So with something like Rust, it can move incredibly fast and basically um, encrypt all the things before the victim can, you know, kind of respond in any meaningful way. So the good news is people are out there working for the good guys, trying to um, release decryption keys. Indian Airlines suffer delays and cancellations due to Zeo outage. In another Canadian internet outage story, air travel across Western Canada was impacted Thursday by an internet outage affecting the country's air navigation service provider, Nav Canada. This was due to a disruption in the network of Zayo, Z-A-Y-O, a telecommunications provider based in Colorado that Nav Canada uses in parts of the country's western region. This was not a cyber attack, but was instead caused by a train derailment that disrupted two key fiber lines managed by one of Zayo's fiber providers in Canada. Lending tree All denies right. connection. All right, guys, here's the deal. All right, so what... What control are we going to be talking about today? Gather around. Here's the deal. All right. So you are uh, a company that leverages, um, you know, basically technology to optimize, your, you know, the speed and the efficiency of your organization, like an airline. Okay. So online bookings, um, routing luggage, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <sighs> Supply chain-ish is what we're talking about here. A company that they depend on suffered an outage, which ultimately um, rolled forward and hit them. There is really nothing that the Canadian Airlines could have done to have prevented this. What they could have done, I guess, to prevent it, if it or to um, be a little bit more resilient, is to have a hot backup of a uh, network communication uh, solutions provider. This is an actual NIST control, by the way. Uh, alternate telecommunications. Look it up. I think it's under the CP control family. Oh yeah. PTSD from my NIST days. Okay. In fact, I think it's like CP 11 if I had to guess. Okay. Anyways, train hits, uh, you know, the, the internet lines going into the, uh, service provider, service provider goes down, downstream Canadian airlines goes down. We see this actually happen with, um, transatlantic fiber lines going from the UK um, to the United States, getting cut by uh, like an anchor uh, getting dropped on it or some underwater, um, you know, mining operation or whatever. Like these things happen. Here's the deal. This is where GRC comes in. Okay. So this is a great little GRC exercise. You could have had an alternate hot telecommunications up. So when, the train hits this line and that company in Colorado goes down that automatically it rolls over and Canadian airlines never suffers a delay. Okay. 
what does that cost? It literally costs some amount of money that you would have to pay monthly for a service that you're not using. Like you're literally just paying for it in the highly unlikelihood that a train hits the power lines of this down upstream company, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So when, when you're doing the risk analysis and you're like, what are the chances of this going down? Pretty low. Okay, well, could we make it zero? Well, we could pay for a second communications channel, but it costs 400 grand a year. Okay, well, how often does it happen? Like never. Okay, well, then we're not going to deal with that nonsense. We'll just accept the risk. This is real risk acceptance. This is a perfect example of when you would accept risk because the likelihood of this is low. And you know what? It sucks because when it happened, it had a high impact. But again, it's low. This is this is a great little um, case study on uh, risk analysis and, and ultimately risk, ass uh, risk assessment. ...to data breach affecting 200,000, but confirms a different one. The financial services giant LendingTree has denied any connection to a reported data breach involving 200,000 loan applications found on the dark web, although the company did confirm that the information of tens of thousands of customers was exposed in a separate breach in February. Quote, our investigation determined that this 200,000 name data leak did not originate at LendingTree. In fact, we obtained the full data set and found there to be no match when compared to our customer database, end quote, a spokesperson said. She added that the notifications the company did send out were in response to a code vulnerability in LendingTree's platform that exposed the sensitive information of more than 70,000 customers in February. All right. I... <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to admit ignorance here for a second. I was on the wrong tab because this is uh, also a story around that uh, Canadian Airlines. And then I was reading chat. Uh, so I, I'm going to do my best on this lending tree story. But really quick, um, BSEC is right. Eric McLeod is right. There are different um, network like from a technical solution perspective. Uh, SD-WAN could work in order to make your 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 uh, network connections more um, meshed and a little bit more resilient to a single point of failure. And then BSEC actually introduced a concept that I should have mentioned. It's a great call, BSEC. Um, when you're doing that risk calculation, yeah, 400 grand a year. But what what does downtime cost us? Can we be down for a week? Can we be down for five minutes? Like what 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 is it? What how much do you lose per hour of downtime? Right. Um, and this is why like real-time operating systems, financial service companies, they like they will pay 400 grand a year because that's a drop in the bucket for the amount of money that is flowing through there in order to have alternate telecommunication uh, sites. Okay. Now, LendingTree denies connection. Now, LendingTree, I think, is like a bank, uh, like an online bank type thing. They do loans, I think, mostly for uh, for home purchases, but I might be wrong on that. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to have to apologize, guys. Uh, I'll have to go back and listen to this story myself. I got confused. But it sounds like, um, you know, the threat actor who basically stole a bunch of data said it was lending trees data. It ended up not being lending trees, but lending tree actually discovered a different security breach. So, Couple things. Good on Lending Tree for discovering the breach. Two, I almost feel like th this actually gives us an opportunity to really reflect for a second on what threat actors say. A lot of people just assume when a threat actor says we have this data, that 
it's it's true until proven different, right? And even when um, companies come out and say we were not attacked, that's not our data. Um, and I'm I'm blanking right now. There was a really uh, notable one a couple months ago uh, that was in the news of a company that said they had not, in fact, been hacked. Um, the threat actors, they can get it wrong, right? They could actually have data and not know where it came from. A lot of these guys do uh, pray and spray, uh, spray and pray, where they don't know that. They've just siphoned a bunch of data off and they're going to figure it out um, once they get it, right? So maybe they made that mistake. So not good. Um, obviously, <laughs> poor lending tree, right? They were able to, uh, you know, zig when when they um, when they were being looked at, like zigzag to avoid. Um, the bad pub from being attacked, but then they actually uncover that they were uh, vulnerable in some capacity. So anyways, this data is not good. It's it's sensitive data. It's used for loans and stuff. Threat actors can use it for identity theft and, you know, other like fake tax uh, filing and stuff like that. Last week in ransomware. Lilith is the name of a new double extortion ransomware that was identified in a recent report by security firm Cybel. The same report also identified manually operated Red Alert, which encrypts virtual files and virtual disks and targets Windows and Linux VMware ESXi servers. The ALF v Black Cat ransomware gang has resumed operations. They are believed to be a reincarnation of Dark Matter, famous for the Colonial Pipelines hack, and yep. ALF v Black Cat has recently breached Japanese gaming company Bandai Namco. Mm. The gang behind Astrolocker announced this week that they are shutting down and plan to shift to crypto mining. And they provided a zip file with a free decryptor for anyone compromised by the ransomware as a parting gift. Well, that's that's nice. Uh, okay, so again, it's ransomware roundup. Um, they said a bunch of different things. The one I want to point at is Alfie uh, Backcat. I think this actually should say Black Cat, not Backcat. I think that's a typo. Um, this is the group they mentioned in the story that's thought to be the reincarnation of Dark Side or Black Matter, which was the reincarnation of dark side or black matter i forget which one came first but basically this um threat actor group has had multiple iterations um it's almost comical how often they change their name uh simply because um they're i think that they're trying to distance themselves from each major attack but in reality uh if they ever get caught they're all going to be linked together um i want to point out that not only is black cat aka alfie um a, a legit top five player in the ransomware gang, but they attacked Bandai Namco. Guys, don't like this. This could uh, raise the flag for me. Okay, I love video games. I love video games. Bandai Namco is up there with like Capcom, um, as far as like classic major player Nintendo. Um, they did Tekken. They did Pac-Man famously. Right? Don't don't mess with the classics, guys. Like. If they did get ransomware, you know, there isn't there isn't enough money to be too much money in order to save uh, Bandai Namco. But anyways, um, you know, these ransomware roundups, they're great little uh, opportunities for you to kind of pick and pull from the different stories in order to put your uh, slide deck together as you're either briefing leadership on current threat statuses, like a threat intel briefing, or if you're asking for a little bit of cash, uh, to fund your program, you can use the, these type of stories and um, statistics here uh, to help kind of shape your argument on why you need to, um, uh, you know, put in place like, you know, some type of quick business continuity solution or 
implement EDR, like, you know, Microsoft Defender or, you know, um, Carbon Black or something like that on your endpoints just to prevent execution of ransomware, et cetera. So, yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> ransomware being ransomware. Remember, coming up this week on Super Cyber Friday. All right, so that is the threat briefing. I am in the studio, so I'm going to turn my music back on. That should not screw up my audio. Let me know in chat if it screwed up my audio. Um, we've got a couple minutes here. We're at 140 on the Simply Cyber channel. I want to thank all of you for being here today. Apologies that I, I gaffed up on the Lending Tree story, but, you know, when you're a one-man band, uh, sometimes you get distracted, um, you know, so... These things happen. I want to let every... Oh, no. Oh, my God. Okay, so I turned the music off again. It's coming back. That's all right. Guys, I'll just leave the music off. It's it's a nice to have, not a need to have. Like, if my microphone failed or my camera failed, that would be uh, a bit of a problem. But Philip Martin. Thanks, Philip. Okay, guys. Uh, I'll just leave the music off. It's fine. I want to tell everybody that this Thursday... Oh, Pat Patriot... Eck or Patriot Eek with the sub. I got my uh, soundboard back. Thank you, Patriot, for the sub on the cyber, uh, the Simply Cyber Squad. Guys, I want to let everybody know that uh, this Thursday at 4 30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel and LinkedIn uh, channels, we will be inviting David Klein onto the channel. And we're really focusing on SOC analysts, talking about burnout, what are some of the stressors that um, SOC analysts deal with, and how, you know, we, we came up with the title, More Fun, Less Stress. SOC analyst is a really fun job. You can really dig into the weeds. You can really have a good time with it. Um, if you're able to kind of um, parse out some of the mental health stressors, if you will. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about. Dave's been on the show a couple of other times. If you if you uh, have been a fan of the Simply Cyber channel for a while, you might recognize Dave. Good guy, good energy. I'm looking forward to having him. Um, so that'll be fun. So please join us on, oh, no, not the spice ring guy. Um, join us on Thursday. All right, I'm going to look at chat real quick. All right, I use a sure... Um, SMB7 microphone, this guy right here. And, and then I added this like little, I don't know what they call this thing, bling flare, you know, <laughs> whatever this thing is. I had this little cap custom made. It just slid on here. Yeah, my pleasure, Brian Wood, Sebasok, Nathan Bolin. I appreciate it. Hey, Nathan, good luck with the uh, job uh, with Lidos. Uh, good luck on that interview. Want to remind you, and everybody else who happens to be in chat right now, I do have a video on the Simply Cyber channel, if you look for it, called Sock Analyst Interview Questions and Answers. It, it's me basically uh, going through, I think, maybe 10 or 15 common Sock Analyst 1 interview questions and giving you the answers to those questions, but then explaining um, kind of a bit more underneath of why they're asking those questions. So if you get something you know, not exactly the same question, but kind of similar, you'll have in your mind, like, okay, this is why they're asking this. This is how I'll frame my answer. I've heard a lot of people. Um, I've got a lot of comments and a lot of positive feedback from that SOC analyst interview questions and answer video. It's actually my third most well-performing video on the channel. So please, if you're really going for any job in InfoSec, check out that video. But the, the SOC analyst folks, that's who is the sweet spot. Um, 
Michael Bergeron with the eye correction surgery. Michael or M Michelle, um, you know, good luck with that. And yeah, uh, just so you guys know, I'm actively working um, to get the daily cyber threat briefing either pushed live to an audio podcast platform while I'm streaming or have it uh, posted to the Simply Cyber audio podcast right after the show ends. I'm still working through that. I'm trying to like automate like API calls to pull down the MP3 and then push it up to the audio platform. It's just, I, I don't know. It takes time and I don't have a lot of that. Um, is there a URL for the sock video? Yeah. Let, let, let's just do this really quickly here. Let's do this. Uh, simply cyber sock interview questions and answers. Let's see if the SEO is strong with this one. There it is here. Oh my God. So just, it's about the content, not the quality guys. Like this is like, you can, the audio is like super echoey. Uh, where, where's my, um, hold on, get out of here. Uh, here I'm dropping it in chat right now. This probably only here sock sock analyst interview QA. There you go. Whoever asked for that. There it is. Hey, Poner Joe. Good to see you. Hashtag team replay and team live today, Poner Joe. Like it. Um, the sock video that is coming up with David. Oh, yeah. If you guys go to, um, like, look, hold on. Look, look right here. You see this link right here? Simplycyber.io slash streams. That will take you to all of my upcoming streams, all the daily cyber threat briefings and all of my um, Simply Cyber lives, right? So, this is Simply Cyber. Uh, oh, you guys can't see that. Right? This is the simplycyber.io slash streams. It basically just pushes you over to the YouTube channel. Um, and you could see here, I've got a couple daily cyber threat briefings. I have to basically keep those three or four in advance. So like every Monday, a bunch of new ones get posted. Uh, here's the David video. And then Chris Rock, um, not, not Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, but Chris Rock, the Australian uh, security researcher out of Sim Monster. He's coming on July 28th, which I can't wait for. Guys, Chris Rock is awesome. I love this guy. He's so, um, I don't want to say intense, but, um, but wow. If you look at his video on I Will Kill You, which he presented at DEF CON, or How to Overthrow a Government, which I was in the front row for um, at DEF CON, the dude is intense. I can't wait for him uh, to come on stream. It's going to be bananas. Um, all right. Guys. I think, I think that's going to do it for us. Good luck to all of you that have interviews. I saw some people mention that. I know some of you have started forming. By the way, I, I, I found out some of you have formed uh, study groups and are working together um, for the PNPT uh, that Cyber Mentor is working. Uh, also, there's a, a study group uh, for Sec Plus, and there's a study group, I believe, for another certification uh, and, and then obviously there's a couple study groups for the GRC master analyst class. I love it. Like, I'm so happy that you all are connecting, networking, knowledge sharing, supporting each other. Uh, I'm very, very proud um, of, of Simply Cyber and that it can be part of that experience for each of you along your career journey. So uh, good on all of you. Well done. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. We'll see you tomorrow morning, Tuesday, July 19th at 8 a.m. But for today, 
that does it for uh, the stream. Be good, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Have a great day.